Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Today we're going to be looking at Peter's denial and restoration. That's our Bible study lesson. And uh, by the way, Michael is going to be teaching the uh, Bible study class next week, and he's going to be having a lesson on Barabbas. Barabbas. When I told him what the lesson was about, he said, oh, I've already been thinking about that. I don't know how he was thinking about that when I hadn't given it to him. All right. Uh, Today I want us to take a look at the uh, denial that Peter had of Jesus and uh, compare him to Judas Iscariot. Now Peter was like Judas in one way because both denied Jesus. But Peter, as opposed to Judas, had eternal life in Jesus Christ. He had been a believer. Where Judas never was, yes. Well, you don't you think the rest of the disciples did in a way doing the same thing? Denying him? Well, in, in a sense, John's the only one that really stayed right there with Jesus. Yeah. But the yeah. others. The others left, they did. That's true. And that you can take that maybe as a denial, right? But uh, uh, we find Judas wasn't restored. Judas repented in the sense that he was sorry for how it all happened. But that's not the same as repenting of your sins. And uh, we find Peter was very remorseful at the very beginning. He, and I'm sure he, he was thinking, oh, what have I done? How awful am I ever going to be able to face Jesus again? Or am I ever going to be able to face the rest of the disciples? Maybe he thought Jesus was gone forever. You think? I, I don't think so. I, I think he, he I think he was remembering but now. I don't think he, he really knew yes or no. At that moment when he was there. That's something I don't know. How, how much understanding he had. Jesus had talked to him about the, his death, burial, and resurrection on different occasions. All right. Uh, this uh, story of the denial that Peter made is uh, found in all four of the Gospels. With only a few variations, very close to the exact same wording in each one of the Gospels. 
And with four testimonies about the same thing, we can take this as being an authentic and real event. By the way, the church would never have made up a story like this, would it? One that puts in such a bad light one of the leaders in the group. Peter was, wasn't he? Wasn't he one of the leaders? Peter, James, and John. Don't you hear those three names given together? Everywhere uh, Christ went, Peter went. That's about it, yeah. And uh, uh, now at uh, a later date, we'll find that there's another individual that's going to come on the scene that becomes as prominent as Peter and as John. James, of course, is going to be killed. He's going to be one of the first martyrs. But the Apostle Paul then comes along a few years later and uh, he is counted as one of the leaders of the group. Now, <clears throat> the fact that the story appears in all four Gospels tells us several things. First, it shows the Gospels' honesty. Honesty. They don't lie. It, it tells it like it is. It, it just gives us the facts. We may not like some of the things that it says, but all of it is truthful. And then it shows that the greatest heroes of the New Testament were simply sinners just like us. Sinners saved by grace. And every individual in the scriptures is just that. If it, I'm talking about uh, those that are leaders, those that are in the church. Uh, they were simply sinners saved by grace. The apostle Paul was. In fact, he described himself as being the greatest of sinners. He? And uh, so we're all just uh, sinners saved by grace. We have flaws, we have weaknesses. We're not perfect. We're not ideal Christians. We shouldn't get the idea, oh, look at me, how great I am, how, how much of a witness I am, how, uh, anyway, we can go on talking about that. And then, the third thing, it also is comforting for us to know that one can fail horribly and yet Jesus will restore us. He will allow us to be brought back. If we're truly a, a child of God, we can be forgiven. First John 1 9 is a good verse of scripture for us to remember. That's all about Christian people, by the way. First John 1 9. And he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can we can see that he wants us to ask forgiveness of our sins. 
All right, let's, let's read uh, these couple of passages of scriptures that we've got today that uh, will help us in getting a handle on this particular study. First of all, is Matthew chapter 26, verses 69. It says through 75, but we're, uh, we're going to skip uh, a few of the verses out there. All right, who would like to read that uh, passage? No, it's, it's got them all down. 69 through 75. Somebody? Anybody? Hey, we've got a microphone somewhere. Penny, that's your job, right? <laughs> Even though you've been missing, it's, it's still your job. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant approached him and she said, you are with Jesus the Galilean too. But he denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another woman saw him and told those who were there, this man was with Jesus the Nazarene. And again, he denied it with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there approached and said to Peter, you certainly are one of them, since even your accent gives you away. Then he started to curse and to swear with an oath, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Okay. We'll talk about this more in just a moment. How many times did he deny the Lord? Three times. All right, who wants to read John 18, verse 15 there for us? No, it's 15 through 26, isn't it? Okay.
Help us to turn back to you this Peter. I pray that your blessings will be upon each one that's here today. Help us to honor you, not just with our presence, but with our hearts and our minds as well. As we open our hearts for you to instruct us in what you want us to hear. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> All right. Uh, Peter's night occurred after Jesus is taken to the house of the high priest. Caiaphas had a palace. He was in the he lived in the rich part of southwest Jerusalem. And just outside the old city wall, to uh, give you an indication of, uh, if you understand, the uh, geography of, of uh, Jerusalem. And uh, that old wall, remember we studied before about Nehemiah coming to build the walls around the city. Well, that old wall was the wall that was built by Nehemiah. Now, those walls were uh, decayed. Uh, some places you couldn't even see where the wall was. Other places, the wall was still partly standing because they had built other walls, expanded the city uh, quite a bit. And uh, uh, so the rich part of the city was there next to that old city wall in the new part of town. Another thing that we might notice is that this particular place was about a half a mile from the temple. So it was very easy to walk back and forth from uh, this house and the houses that were there in that area to the temple complex. We find that another person had a house in this area. And in fact, it was where Jesus met with his disciples. This was the house of John Mark. Remember they met in the upper room? Well, these houses all had Two, two stories, two floors. And you had to be a little richer, a little more affluent in order for you to have a two-story house, especially in this area. And so John Mark's house was just a block away. So right close to this house where Jesus is on trial. Now remember in John Mark's house in the upper room they had the last meeting with Jesus and they observed the Lord's Supper. Remember that? Now we're going to find that they continue to meet in that place after Jesus' ascension. But that's another story for another day. The irony here 
is that the church was meeting about 100 feet away from Kenneth's house. And the close proximity to where things were much different than what we find in the upper room. The trial of Jesus. They wanted to execute him. They wanted to kill him. Now, they didn't have the power. And so they hand him off to somebody that does have that power. Again, that's another story for another day. We don't have time to go into that today. We have talked about that in the past. Yeah. And uh, uh, let us notice that there's some things that we might praise Peter for in this encounter. Peter actually enters the courtyard of this house. Now, these houses all had gates around them. And a courtyard, the lawn was uh, fairly large, uh, and uh, it was the courtyard that Peter was able to enter, warm himself by the fire. They built a fire out there in, in, uh, in the lawn because it was cold that night. By the way, it was early April when this took place. And uh, he was with a mob of people that weren't believers. And he was willing to go in there and, and get close to where Jesus was. He was inside the house. And uh, the trial was going on in there. But he could see Jesus and John and all the other individuals that were there having part in that trial. But um, there was another disciple besides Peter that was there, and he was known to the high priest, Kephas. We know from other scriptures that this individual was John. By the way, John's father, this is a side note and something that you might uh, think about, but John's father, remember what John was? What was he? A fisherman? Peter Peter? John's father salted fish that they sold to the rich part of town. And this is how he came to know Kevin's, his father's business. But what happened prior to Peter being there in that courtyard? Remember when the mob came to take Jesus? Did Peter run off? Did he cower away? No. He pulled out his sword, didn't he? He cut off <clears throat> the ear of one of the individuals that was coming with the mob. <coughs> In fact, one of the leaders there. 
And uh, he had a lot of courage just a few hours prior to this. But several things have happened since then. Things that discouraged Peter. Things that Peter couldn't understand. He, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was happening. He thought Jesus was about to set up his millennial kingdom. He thought Jesus was about to declare himself to be king of kings and lord of lords. And then he's arrested. And then he's taken to be on trial by the high priest. Peter doesn't understand what's happening. His theology, his understanding of the scriptures is not this. He thought things were going to happen in a completely different way. So he's discouraged. He's downhearted. He's bewildered. He's scratching his head. What's going on here? So we need to understand his thinking, his mind, how he came to that point of denial. Now, as I said a moment ago, it was early April, and in Palestine, the late part of April can be chilly at night. Now, it's not that way in other parts of the world. It's not that years. In fact, it doesn't change much <laughs> from one month to the next here. We have dry season and we have wet season and that's about it. And it gets harder in the dry season because we don't have the daily rains. But that's about it, isn't it? It's, that's one of the things that makes this a nice place to live, I believe. South Africa has a completely different climate than what North America does. In fact, it's the opposite of North America. Wintertime there is June, July, and August. That's summertime in North America. So anyway, uh, and by the way, in Palestine too. Palestine has the same uh, climate just about as parts of the United States. So we can some of us who came to the United States can identify with that a little better than what we can. Uh, the people that grew up and have never left Panama. <laughs> All right, our people that came from other parts of the world, like South Africa. The first person to confront Peter is a servant girl. And her job, what she did, was take care of the gate. At this, remember now we're talking about a big mansion here, rich people. And so they had somebody like we would think about a doorkeeper in other homes. I don't know that I've ever seen a home where they had somebody to keep the gate out front. But it could be, couldn't it? We can, we can imagine that. And that's what she was. She was a gatekeeper. And 
find out uh, from the Greek language that she is in her teens. She's a young girl. And she comes and looks closely at Peter in the light of the fire that's being lit out here in the courtyard. And the moonlight, by the way, it's, uh, it's full moon when this takes place. And she asked, literally in the Greek, you are one of them, aren't you? Peter replies, I don't know what you're talking about. Literally, what he says. Now, Peter was caught off guard by the girl's question. He's not ready for confrontation. Remember his mindset? Remember how he's thinking? He's confused. He's bewildered. He doesn't know why these things are happening. He doesn't know what's going on. He didn't understand that Jesus had to die and that this is part of the process of bringing him to the cross. He didn't understand that. He said, well, he should have. Jesus had said it enough times, but he didn't. He had his mind made up how things were going to happen as Jesus was here on earth. Don't you think more of the disciples did have the same thing? Oh, sure. More of the disciples had the same idea. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to be preaching on the second coming today. I'm going to be telling you how I think these things, some of these things are going to play out. Some of it seems very plain to me in the scriptures. And I believe that this is the way it's going to happen. But you know, we might be just as mistaken about some of these things as Peter was about this. So I'm going to tell you up front, I'm not absolutely sure how the second coming is going to come about. Now I read the scriptures. Now one of the things in, in uh, Peter's life is that they didn't see a difference between his first coming and his second coming. It was blurred. It was meshed together. And they thought when he came, he was going to do everything that's talked about in the scriptures for his coming. Well, there's two different comings. And in, in fact, we might even think about it being three as we understand him coming in the air to receive us to himself. He hasn't set foot on earth at that particular time, but he is coming in the air to receive us to himself. And so if you count that one, there's three. There's coming the first time as a baby in a manger and growing up on this earth. And around 30, 33 years old, he begins to public ministry. And then he's crucified. And then he goes back to heaven. And then he's coming again for us and with us. Well, anyway, I don't need to talk about all of that right now. We'll get into that just a minute. 
But uh, uh, everything must have seemed so hopeless to Peter as he's accused of being one of the disciples and he denies it the first time. We're not looking at the other two, but the first time. He just simply says, I don't know what you're talking about. It wasn't as strong a denial as it's going to get as we continue. Now also, he's in the courtyard of the high priest. And he's surrounded by the very servants and guards whom he had attacked earlier. Where he drew the sword and cut off the ear of Malchus. Yes. Well, John was Malchus. there too. What? John was there too. John was there too. Why, why didn't Is it just, maybe just because he knew the high priest? And then he's able to go inside and he's able to hear the trial. I, I can't tell you anything else. I just know that's, that's how it took place. Now, finally, Peter's alone. Now, John is inside, remember, watching the proceedings. And Peter removes himself a little ways. He's probably in one of the most hostile places he can possibly be. And <clears throat> we're going to see more accusations come. As he's already been accused of being one of the followers of Jesus, he's somewhat panicked. He thinks he might be drugged in there and put on trial with Jesus, right? That he might have to die right now, and he doesn't know whether he's ready to die right now or not. Okay? Those who hear Peter, the people that are out there with him, then accuse him of being a Galilean. His speech betrays him. Now, my speech betrays me. Some people could say, oh, I know where you're from. John's speech betrays him. Doesn't it? And there's some people who are up on these... Uh, Accents, they could probably tell you just where John is from. And maybe there's a difference in accents in different parts of South Africa. Yeah. Just like there is in different parts of the United States. It's a completely different accent in New England, is it, in the United States. Or if you in, you're in the Midwest. Very distinct accents. So... I think Texas has its own. Tennessee may have its own. Yeah. Now, they hear his accent. Oh, you're a Galilean. They had a particular way of saying things that was different from other people in the Palestine or Judea. And the Galilean spoke a crude dialect. 
and their pronunciation was very distinct. Maybe like a Texan, right? <laughs> because uh, that's been an accusation of Texans before. But uh, they uh, have a, a guttural sound for the G and the K as weak as they speak. So very distinct. I, I told this because I, I wouldn't know from my experience. That's what I'm told about Galilee. Now, <clears throat> the Greek shows that Peter keeps denying that he comes from God. Ironically, as Peter keeps denying, his accent keeps giving him away. <laughs> as if all this not, is not bad enough, suddenly, according to John's Gospel, a relative of Malchus. Now, who's Malchus? Remember he? The guy that Peter cut the ear off of? And who had miraculous restoration of the ear? Whoa, why didn't they just fall down and worship Jesus at that time? Not carry through with the arrest. I don't know. But Malchus has a relative. And this relative comes up in the garden and accuses Peter. And Peter repeats his denial. Except this time he invokes a curse. He begins to curse. And he begins to swear. Repeatedly. Not just once, but repeatedly. And he says, I never met the man. Not only does he not know him, I've never even met him. Peter knows that this man that's accusing him is out for revenge. Overall, Peter has been subjected to an ever-increasing presence of danger. From the slave girl to an accusatory second slave girl to men that were Malchus's relatives. All surrounding him, all there in the corner where he tried to seclude to. And Jesus, who's inside and on trial, has been watching all this. Evidently, Jesus can see him, but here's the thing. He may not have, could have heard what was going on with the human ear, but he knew what was going on as the son of And so, when Peter denies the Lord the third time, and the rooster crows, what was the prophecy that Jesus had made? Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And 
Peter can only conclude that the outcome of all of this will be death. A horrible death for him. He, he thinks he's going to be brought in with Jesus and maybe put on a cross right beside him. Because he, I don't know whether he remembered now or not, but Jesus had told him that he was going to go to a cross. And he had told them to take up their cross and follow him. Well, Peter's not doing a very good job of that right now, is he? But, let us switch gears for this moment. Let's, let us notice Judas. Judas now goes out and hangs himself. Why? Well, he's lost all hope. He either did not believe in forgiveness or did not trust that he could receive forgiveness of what he did. Maybe both. He has sold the Son of God into the hands of the enemy who are now putting him on trial. I don't think Jesus knew what was going to happen to Jesus once he turned him over to the ones that were wanting him. Now, if Judas had truly and genuinely repented, he would have been forgiven. Just like Peter was. But Judas, of course, sinned an unbelievable, horrific sin. But here's the thing. Judas didn't sin beyond forgiveness and redemption. Nobody has. Think of the man called Saul who was going around killing Christians. We don't know how many he killed. We know one he killed. His name was Stephen, wasn't he? But he didn't actually kill him. He just threw him and held the cloak while he was he was responsible. The leader held the cloaks. So he was responsible for Stephen's death. And he was on his way to Damascus to arrest some more, wasn't it? Wasn't that his purpose? Yeah. He had letters with him to do that. And so... The Apostle Paul is that individual named Saul that we find first in the scriptures, killing Christians. And he can be forgiven. In fact, the Apostle Paul described himself as the chiefest of sinners, didn't he? Wasn't that the words that he used? All right, let's, let's wrap this up. As for Peter, he may have wished to die when he denied the Lord the third time. And Jesus looked at him. Don't you know that hurt? That cut into the heart. And what did he do? He went out and wept bitterly. Now he wasn't arrested. No one restrained him. He was able to go out of that courtyard 
find his own way someplace private to me. I think that as Jesus chose despair, Peter chose hope. Now, I can't really see his heart. The scriptures doesn't tell us what Peter was thinking. But I think he had hope. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was happening. But he still had hope. And it's going to be revealed to him shortly what all is going on. In fact, three days from now, he's going to see it. After Jesus rose from the dead, how does Peter respond? Well, Peter is ashamed, isn't he? But Jesus leaves behind him an empty tomb that Peter is able to see. He's one of the first ones that went to the empty tomb. He's not there. Somebody tells them, tells the women, he's not here. He is risen, just as he had told you. Don't you believe him? No, they didn't say that. But <laughs> that's the indication, isn't it? Don't you believe what he told you? <clears throat> and so Peter is understanding all of that. Even more, Jesus makes a special point of appearing to Peter in a one-on-one -on -one meeting on that Easter Sunday, on that Resurrection Sunday. And this appearance is usually not discussed, but both Luke and Paul mention it. Jesus wants to make sure that Peter is told no less than two times on Resurrection Sunday that he's alive. He's not dead. Later on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus publicly restores Peter to full discipleship. And since Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus now makes him three times a restoration of him to full discipleship. Remember he asked him if he loves him? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You, you know that I'm fond of you. That's how we really use those words. And he said, to my sheep. And he goes on three different times there. We won't take time to read all of that. But three times Jesus confesses to Peter that he loves him. Him. Now here's something that we can do. We can take that to heart. And the same things that Jesus was telling Peter, he will tell us. I love him. And that's the agape love, not the filial love that Peter was using to try and tell the Lord that he loved him. 
The wonderful lesson that we have today is that Christ refused to forsake Peter and placed confidence in Peter that he could go on from that time and serve him. And he did. We look at his life from here on out. And there's times in his writings he tells us that he has a, a godly love from the Lord. We need to grow to the point that we can have that agape love for the Lord as well. So a powerful example, I think, of restoration when we see. All right, let's uh, end the lesson today. Uh, <clears throat> John, do you have a microphone very close to you? Would you lead us in our closing prayer, please? All right, Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.